This morning, I want to read from a text in Matthew chapter 15. We're going to begin with verse number 21, and we're going to terminate at verse number 28. I'm just going to make a few points this morning, and the lesson will be yours uh, this morning. Please keep in mind that there will be Bible hour. It will take place seven minutes after the close of this worship. Uh, and so just uh, when we tune out or turn off, just uh, uh, tune back in. Matthew 15, verse 21 through 28. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman came out from that region and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came to him and kept asking him, saying, Send her away, for she is shouting after us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, your faith is great. Be it done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. You may be seated. I want to talk to us and all of you watching on the subject, worshiping from a low place, worshiping from a low place. Her and her husband got together, she and her husband. She found out she was pregnant. Nine months later, she conceived. She, she gave birth, and because in that time there were no sonograms, and there were no ways to figure out what kind, what sex the child would be, they just patiently had to wait until she conceived. She conceives and she finds out after going through the pain of carrying and the, and the discomfort of carrying and the pain of labor, they found out, they find out together that they have a little girl. Yeah, in that time, most men wanted a son, but she, she finds out she has this little girl and time passes and the little girl grows and she goes from infancy to being a small child to perhaps being a preteen to perhaps 
being a teenager, but something happens somewhere in between that time. This was in Gentile territory. This was in an area where the Jews did not, did not have a presence, much of a presence. She, she was Gentile. He was Gentile. And something was happening, something strange. The, the girl would do things that were out of character. The girl would do things that didn't seem quite right. And it intensified. She was acting different. And every now and then she would lash out at her own mom. And mom is concerned because I've never seen this in my daughter. I've never planned for this in my daughter. This was not something I saw when she was an infant. If, if it were an infirmity, if she was blind, I would have noticed it from her birth. If she couldn't hear, I would have noticed it from her birth. But at some point, whether maybe she was a teenager, maybe as a preteen, maybe even as a young adult, she notices that daughter is acting strange. She's feeling the pain. And I don't know what happened to dad. Perhaps dad stayed behind, but mom says, I've got to do something about this. See, my daughter is, is, is going through something. As a matter of fact, I don't, I'm not a doctor, but I know that, that I've seen this before in others. She has a demon. She has a devil. She's possessed. She's tormented. She's not herself. She's not in her own character. She's acting strange. She is tormented and in agony on the inside. This is not who I gave birth to. She's a woman with a daughter. She's a mother with a daughter with a problem. She's a mother who has a daughter that has a problem. But because she loves her daughter so much she doesn't identify only as a mother who has a daughter with a problem she's a mother with a problem because her daughter has a problem there's a certain attribute about mothers that will not allow their children to have the problem alone she's gentile Gentiles don't fool with Jews, and Jews don't fool with Gentiles. As a matter of fact, what I just shared is the possible context or narrative outside of the text. We knew that she was a mother. We know that she was a Gentile. We know she has a daughter that is grievously vexed, that is tormented, cruelly tormented by a demon, and demons do not behave. Meanwhile, in the text, if you and I go to Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is sending out his disciples. He's sending them out in Matthew chapter 10, and if you begin reading at verse number 2, uh, the Bible says, Now 
the names of the twelve apostles were these. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. Read. The first Simon, who was called Peter. Simon, who was called Peter. And Andrew, his brother. Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee. Read. And John, his mother. Read. Philip and Bartholomew. Philip, Bartholomew, read. Thomas and Matthew, the uh -huh. publican. James, the son of Alphaeus. Read. And Labaius, whose surname was Thaddeus. Uh-huh. Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot. Read. Who, who also betrayed him. Uh-huh. These 12. Watch Jesus, this. These 12 Jesus sent out. Read. And commanded them, saying. What did Jesus say? Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into Don't city. go into the way of the Gentiles. I'm sending you out to do miracles. I'm sending you out and commissioning you to go out and to do things in my name. But let me tell you where you shouldn't go. Don't go in the way of the Gentiles. And, and do not. Into any city of the Enter any city of the Samaritans. Of the Samaritans. Here the 12 are. Have, having just a few chapters earlier gotten uh, a commission to go out and to represent Jesus. And Jesus himself says, when you go, don't go into the Gentile region. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house go of Israel. Go where? To the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Just stay with me. And if you're watching at home, you need your Bible open and you need to be focused off and through there to appreciate what's about to happen in Matthew and, and the text that we've read in Matthew chapter 15. Here, they had just gotten the commission and Jesus just told his 12, go and when you go, don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go to, Samar to the Samaritans. Go to the lost sheep. Don't go to the dogs, go to the sheep. And in this text, having been given and having in mind that same commission, the disciples are with Jesus as he goes to the borders of Gentile territory. In our text, this woman is still a Gentile. The Bible says that he went away from there, withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon, and his disciples no doubt are with him. And he beheld a Canaanite woman who came out from the region and began to cry. Wait a minute. That woman with the daughter with the problem, the woman with the problem in her daughter, the woman who's a Gentile, she is now approaching Jesus. She's a Gentile. The disciples are with him, and they were there when he said, don't fool with the Gentiles when you go and preach my message. They were there when he said, don't go to the Samaritans. They were there when he said, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But yet, in the very presence of Jesus is a woman who is a Gentile, one mark against her she was a woman two marks against her she was a gentile women were not considered to be uh, equal in that society it was a very paternal society so you have this woman and she's a Canaanite woman as a matter of fact Mark's gospel calls her a Syrophoenician you do know what a Syrophoenician is. There are some popular, famous Syrophoenicians in the Old Testament. One Syrophoenician that you might be familiar with is Jezebel. 
So she was definitely not just a Gentile, but she was a heathen. But she had a problem. She comes to Jesus and she says, Oh Lord, son of David. She apparently had heard of Jesus. She apparently had heard of his lineage. She's calling him what it's respectful and what is, uh, what is politically correct to call him. David is not someone in her, in her, in her history. Is, is, David is not someone that she's connected to. She's a Gentile, but she wants to respect him on his turf. And so she uses the language that would garner respect and garner attention. Oh, Lord, son of David, my, have mercy on me. My daughter is truly demon-possessed. She, she doesn't say, Lord, have mercy on my daughter. She says, have mercy on me. I know, I know this is about worship, but I wanted to choose a text that would also merge in this being Mother's Day because there's something about a mother that will not let her child have the problem alone. She does not put her daughter out there. As a matter of fact, she understands that the well-being of her daughter depends on her connecting to Jesus. And every God-fearing mother has to know at some point that if your child is going to be okay, and if your child is going to be delivered, and if your child is going to be better, and if your child is going to turn to God, if your child is going to develop and evolve into what he needs to be, it's going to have to do a lot with your connection to Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus didn't answer. She's all already in a low place. She's in a low place. She's in a place of helplessness. She's in a place of hopelessness. She's in a place uh, where she doesn't know what to do. She's run out of options. Her daughter, who she loves, is, is possessed by a demon. So, so going home doesn't mean the same thing. Going home to daughter doesn't mean what it used to mean because her daughter is not herself. Is there, are there any mothers out there that ever had to deal with a child that wasn't themselves? Are there any adults out there who were those children that had appeared in your life where you weren't yourself? That's not what I taught you. That is not how I trained you. That is not what I deposited in you. That is not what you've been taught as you. I did not bring you up like this. But oh, we didn't turn out this way because we just got it together. But some of us turned out this way because we had a mother that would connect to Jesus and not just say, my son has a problem. But Lord, I got a problem. Jesus says nothing. There's a certain, there's a certain offensiveness that comes with silence. Silence doesn't affirm or deny, but it puts you in a place to wondering whether or not you were heard. Silence can be just 
sometimes more painful than a denial. It, 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 it almost suggests that I don't even acknowledge you. What is Jesus doing? Is Jesus showing a prejudice? Is Jesus showing a, a racism? Is it Jesus showing that he has a problem with this woman? This woman is crying out to him, but she's a Gentile. But keep in mind that Jesus was not only operating in this woman, but with this woman watching and dealing with this woman, but he was operating with his disciples around him. The same disciples who he himself told in chapter 10 when you go out, don't go to the Gentiles. They're watching. They're getting to see whether or not Jesus was going to keep his own word. They're watching to see how Jesus was going to approach this because Jesus, you told us a few chapters ago that when we go out, not to fool with the Gentiles. You told us to leave the Samaritans alone. You told us to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So Jesus, if you're going to be just, you can't deal with her. But Jesus was going to display that he was not only just, but he was merciful. It is the very picture of the gospel where Jesus both keeps his word and shows mercy at the same time. This woman, she cries. Jesus doesn't answer. And because his disciples had already gotten the word, his disciples came to him and said, look, send her away. She's crying after us. Send her away. What, what gives them the audacity to tell the Son of God to send somebody away? Uh, there are two things. Number one, uh, and I talked to this, about this before, associative confidence. It, it's, it's confidence you get by way of being associated to somebody. Here they are. They, 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 they get it twisted because not at, at any point did this woman say anything to the disciples. But they said she's crying out to us. Number two, what gives them the gall to say it is what Jesus told them in chapter 10. Send her away. We, 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 we know this must be right to say send her away because Jesus, you did tell us, you did tell us, Jesus, that, that when we go out, not the fool with the Gentiles. So send, us, send her away. Now, now watch this. The reason why Jesus said not to go to the Gentiles was not because of the same prejudice motives that the disciples had. This was not permission for the disciples to be prejudiced. This was not permission for the disciples to have a racial disposition. This was Jesus fulfilling his mission for it is declared even post this moment, post the earthly life of Jesus that Paul declares, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first. Not because Jesus had a racial problem, but here they were exercising what they thought was their right to tell Jesus to send her away. Now, what is Jesus going to do? The Bible says in verse number 24, but he answered and said, what did he say? I was sent only to the lost sheep Does of the house. Does that sound familiar? I'm not going to tell you to do anything that I don't do. 
In chapter 10, I told you to only go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And now in this chapter, with a very Gentile in my face, I'm going to declare the purpose. I'm going to reiterate. I'm not going to retract what I said. I'm going to declare what I said because it's going to be a greater act of mercy if I'm supposed to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And instead, and instead, in this moment, I deal instead of the sheep, I deal with the dog. So his disciples are now, they're now taking this in. That's right. Send her away. And, he, and, and instead of sending her away, he declares what he says in chapter 10. I am only come to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But, the, but verse 25 is the clincher. The Bible says she came and she's already at a low place. Her daughter, no doubt, thoughts of her daughter back where she back at home are coming across her mind. No doubt she's at a place of helplessness and hopelessness. Now, this would be for somebody who did not have faith, the breaking point. But instead, she decides to proskuneo before him. Proskuneo is a word for worship. It means to bow down here she is she's run completely out of the gas of pride she's on e in her pride she's on e in her dignity which makes her worship pure and selfless you see I call this worshiping from a low place because the only worship that's acceptable is worship from a place of humility. You cannot worship the God of heaven and earth and you and I cannot worship the God who created all things and reduce him down to the man upstairs. Because when you say God is the man upstairs, you're claiming that both of you live in the same house. And he, he is so vastly different that Isaiah said, in Isaiah, he says, my ways are not your ways. and your, My thoughts are not your thoughts. Let me show you how far apart we are in our thinking and ways. As far as the east is from the west. So are my ways and your ways and so are my thoughts and your thoughts. And when you come to worship with still a lot of you in you, you cannot worship from the low place of humility. And sometimes the only way we get to that place is when we end up in low circumstances that break us. So when we worship God, we're worshiping from humility, not necessarily because we chose to be humble, but because our situations broke us down to where there's no us left, only Jesus. She bows down. Another version in verse 25 says, but she came and began to worship before him no formality this time no lord son of david this time no no king of kings and lord of lords no uh no uh lily of the valley no uh seed of abraham I, I'm not trying to be politically correct right now. I know that's what your people call you. But Lord, I'm at a point now where I have no me left. I'm in my low place. So no son of David, just Lord, help me. Yeah. 
And there comes a time in your worship where you drop formality. You drop what's politically correct to say. You drop all form and fashion and you got to just say, Lord, help me. I'm struggling. Lord, help me. I've been furloughed and don't know what I'm going to do. Lord, help me. She's worshiping from a low place. And high worship is unacceptable to God. I'm not saying highly emotional worship. I'm not talking about the volume of the singing or the charisma of the preaching or, the, or the, 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 the intensity of the atmosphere. I'm talking about the disposition of the person. She says, Lord, help me. She doesn't say, Lord, please help me. She doesn't say, Lord, will you just help me? Everything that she hopes for is in this moment. And you and I in our worship need to worship like everything we hope for is in the moment of worship. And now, 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 I, 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 it's amazing that we're talking about worship and that's our theme for this month because you and I and all of us have been getting really good practice on becoming worshipers as opposed to just coming to worship service. Uh, and this is why we, we, I, I shared with, with, uh, with you uh, at another time some things you can do to worship because some of us have never ever been at a place at this low place and some of us have have relegated worship to a, a building and so some of us had to get reacquainted or acquainted for the first time with bare bones, bare worship in, in your private place. It has to be in your private place to have public credit. No private worship, no public acknowledgement. It's the equivalent of seeing somebody that you live with and only talking to them in public. It's the equivalent of not speaking to your mom all year long and on this day making a public profession, Happy Mother's Day. What you do in public has no value if it isn't undergirded by something intense and something selfless in private, worshiping from a low place. The Bible says that that wasn't enough. Because the Bible says in verse 26, and we're almost done, and he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, now, you say, well, what is Jesus' problem? No, no, no. Jesus, no. Now, Jesus, watch this. He respects who he was sent to first. Now, that's what he's doing because you, you got to understand that it isn't just this woman. It's these disciples who got that mandate in Matthew chapter 10. But he wants to usher them from justice to mercy. He wants to show them how to be true to what's right 
and be merciful at the same time. So he acknowledges that he was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He acknowledges that uh, that uh, that she's a Gentile. He acknowledges that there's a distinction between the children and the dogs because Gentiles were called dogs. Now, he wasn't calling her a dog in a derogatory way, but they were called dogs as in sinners. I believe it's in Deuteronomy chapter 23 where a law was set in place that you can't even offer something you can't even offer something to God that is the wage of a harlot or the price of a dog. And dog there is not talking about literal dog, but it was talking about harlots were the female prostitutes. And in that time, the male prostitutes were called dogs. And God says, I don't want anything that you offer to me from the wages of this lifestyle. So dog never carried a positive connotation, but Jesus was using the language of that day to refer to her, not because he wanted to impress the disciples, but he wanted to teach them a lesson. Yes, this is how you see her. I'm going to address her how you see her, but I'm going to do with her what you would not do with her. The Bible says that because she's worshiping from a low place, that wasn't the time that she protested. That wasn't the time that she got up and said, forget it, I'll just deal with my daughter. That wasn't the time. No, no. You know why? She was on E when it came to pride. And when you worship, you and I worship, we need to learn how to put ourselves on E when it comes to our pride and be at a low place. Not just a low place emotionally, but a low place in humility so that we understand that whatever I get from God we sing about it all the time any way you bless me Lord I'll be satisfied well if that's really your mantra then you don't get picky with how you get blessed and this woman was not picky she said and after hearing Jesus say it is not meat to give the children's bread to the dog and the word for dog there he's using as in house dog not stray dog so it's someone in the house but the bottom of the bottom she took it advantage of the language that Jesus used and said basically you're right Lord but even even the dogs benefit from the master's table if I'm if I've got to be the lowest of the low I, I, I'm all right in other words a dog at your house is better than a prince outside of your house might be a dog, but even the dogs benefited from the master's table and the crumbs that fell from the master's table. Let me tell you something. It was her faith that was regulating this humility and this worship from a low place. The Bible says that Jesus answered and said to her in front of the very ones who said, send her away. He says, oh woman, your faith is great. I'm going to honor your faith. Since you honored me, since you honored my mission, 
since you honored my position, since you honored what I said to you about being sent to the lost sheep in the very presence of the disciples that no doubt were motivated by something other than what Jesus had. He says, be it unto you according to your faith. Now watch this. Here's the Mother's Day story. And daughter had victory because of a fight mother won. The child got healed because mom kneeled. The daughter got released because mom put herself in bondage at the feet of Jesus. The daughter got to walk in high places again because mom worshiped from a low place. Learn in, even in this pandemic, don't go home. This, this pandemic should be self revelatory. It, it should be, it, it should have revealed some things about us. It, it should have revealed whether or not we were worshipers or just people that by tradition or by habit or by routine came together on Sundays and barely that, some of us. Now you have to worship from your low place. And sometimes God allows us to be in a low place so that when we come to him in prayer, when we come to him in singing, when we come to him in worship, we're not worshiping him as somebody on our level. So every now and then God needs to let us know how much of a dog we are so that we can be happy just to be at his table. He needs to remind us how unworthy we are. And we need to remind ourselves we are not worthy. We are not worthy. This is what intensifies the spirit of worship, the fact that there's nothing about me at this low place that warrants you giving me anything because I deserve it. But it is your grace and your mercy. So Jesus gets to be just and merciful at the same time, which would be the runway to what he would do ultimately for all of humanity. It was justice that put him on the cross and mercy that kept him there. It was justice that caused every laceration to my Savior's back. It was justice that put the nails in his hand. It was justice that put the nails in his feet. Yet it was mercy through his stripes. We are healed. He gets to treat dogs like sheep because of his justice and his mercy. Now, if you're here and you are a worshiper, there's another text that talks about a worshiper, that if a man be a worshiper, God heareth him. 
I'm here to tell you that you might be in a low place, but I'm going to tell you that's the best posture of worship. Don't worship based on your mood. As a matter of fact, I found in my life that the most intense worship ping to God, and I'm not talking about on Sunday. I'm talking about life as worship. I'm talking about when you are at home every now and then, turn Netflix off, and when you're at home every now and then, turn off Hulu and turn off all these other things and turn off all, get off the phone, get off Facebook, play some inspirational music and start worshiping by yourself. I mean, let a song roll from your lips. Here's the idea. We cannot relegate God to a place only. We have to get to the point where our worship is a lifestyle. So that even if you find yourself in the lowest of places, that low place will not hinder your worship. If you are not a child of God and you're interested in knowing what to do to be saved, we'd like to talk to you. We have some counselors who are watching right now at this time. We have some people who are watching right now at this time. If you have a prayer request, make that prayer request known. You can go right there online. You can put in your prayer request. Maybe you're finding some things about yourself. You want to be closer to God. I think that's the, I believe that's the bedrock of worship. Your relationship with God here, it was, here it was, this woman had nothing. And maybe even in this pandemic, there's still a lot of you in you. Uh, there's still a lot of you in you. And sometimes that's the thing that God is waiting for. Yes, you can sing but sometimes the you and you blocks his hearing. Sometimes the you and you stops him from, from answering and attending to you. How do you know? I'm talking about the sinfulness in us. The Bible says the Lord's hand is not short that it cannot save, neither his ears heavy that it cannot hear, but your sins and your iniquities have hid your face, his face from you, that he will not hear you. Maybe that you in you is stopping, watch this, not stopping you from worshiping, but stopping God from receiving. And if you need prayer for anything, make that prayer request known. We want to attend to you if you if you have questions and you want to be saved today. I, I, I can't fathom not being saved in a, in a season like this. I can't fathom being at so high risk, and everybody is high risk. I know they said that those with diabetes and those with, uh, you know, COPD and those with respiratory problems and those with asthma are high risk. At this season, in this season, everybody's a high risk. As a matter of fact, you and I were high risk before COVID. High risk for anything to happen. And if it were not for the Lord on our side, that car wreck would have happened to us. And if it were not for the Lord on our side, that thing would have, that tragedy would have happened to us. The bullet would have hit us. The sickness would have fell on us. We walk around in civil war all the time. Our bodies are fighting off things all the time. It ain't because you take garlic. It ain't simply because you take medicines and supplements. It's because there's a God who is taking care of you because we don't know to take care of ourselves do you think the goodness of God says that you are good or do you think the goodness of God says it's time for you to become good according to Romans 2 and 4 the Bible says the goodness of God leads to repentance may God bless all of us 
put your prayer request in the uh, in the comment area if you want deeper study and I know there have been a few of you who have reached out to who want Bible studies and we have those scheduled uh, just make it known and God bless all of us as we continue to worship from this low place.